Most people feel like they know the Bible. It's a very odd thing. Uh, if they're Christian or not Christian. But I'll say this. I've never come in contact with a book that is so misunderstood as this one is. You're listening to a message at Grace Church of Alma, a place where the curious, bored, and discouraged can journey together toward a full life with Jesus. Uh, I hear it used every day on um, news channels. I hear it used in politics. I hear it used by other preachers. I hear it used by atheists. I hear it used all over the place, and it's just so misunderstood. It's a very difficult book, just to be very clear with it. Now, for us to start this process, how do we even start with this book? We're talking about a book that spans thousands of years. It wasn't written in one day, in one culture, in one language. It spans thousands of years of history. It spans all different authors. It spans... uh, different languages, different contexts, different cultures, different mannerisms for how they ate, for how they dressed, how they saw the world. It spans all different things. How in the world do we understand this book easily or simply? I know that uh, one of the things that we used to teach uh, with the Bible was, hey, all that matters is just like get a Bible and start reading. Bam, and God will meet you. Amen, hallelujah. And for some of us, it worked. For some of us, we would pick up the Bible and we start reading in Genesis. Oh, that's an interesting story. Wow, that's a really weird story. That's very violent. <laughs> and then you'd get to, you know, oh, I think they just may had kids with their family. You get the idea. And then you get to a place where there's long lists of names. And you'd say, I don't know what this means. And you'd get lost in the names and you'd stop. Or even better, you'd open up the Gospels and uh, you'd read Jesus. And he would start talking about parables. And, you, and he would start talking about mustard seeds and vines and I mean, and you would just go, I have no clue what he's talking about. What's this guy talking about? Worst case scenario is this. Here's the worst case, which is the case for me. You think you're a really smart guy or gal. You pick it up, and you assume you know everything Jesus is talking about. Oh, no. Obviously, he meant this when he talked about the mustard seed. We all knew. And, you know, when he walked by the pear tree and he cursed it, obviously it's because of this, Right? And then we ended up feeling very confident with the book that we knew nothing about, right? So how do we start? How do we start with this book that's complex and confusing and it's not written in languages with words that make sense to us and there's analogies and there's references to stories or to farming that mean nothing to us anymore. It even talks about a world that's flat, It talks about places where there are oceans above us with giant sea monsters swimming over us. What do we do with that, right? Now, the first thing that we have to do with anything, to use it correctly, is understand what it is supposed to be used for. Now, who has uh, one of these in their pocket? It's a credit card. Now, if you're a Dave Ramsey guy, debit card. No one laughed? Okay, no one does Dave Ramsey. You get the idea. Okay. Now, this can be used for many things, okay? If you are me, and you think that Arkansas is a very warm place to live, and like we don't ever get anything cold, I use this to clean off my windshield when you guys are freaking out in the mornings. You know what I'm talking about? Oh no, there's ice on the windshield. We have to go to Walmart and buy the giant one, you know? And you just look really awkward out there, right? What you could do is pull this little baby out, and you're good to go, right? Or if you have a very checkered past, you know how to use this to get into places you shouldn't get into. Anybody? Yeah. You guys don't do Dave Ramsey, but you do break into people's homes. Awesome. Great. 
Good crowd. No, you get the idea. This can be used for things that shouldn't be used for. I've even used this as a knife. Have you used it as a knife before? You, you chop up things? Anybody? You guys are not very... <laughs> okay. Depending on how much money you have in this car, you might use it as a knife or for multiple things, right? Now, it has a purpose, right? It has a different purpose. You might be able to use it to scrape off your windshield or to cut something or to break into someone's home, but it's not meant for that, right? It will never be as good at those things as things that were designed for that. It won't be as good as a knife could be to cut things, right? It won't be as good as a, an actual scraper for your windshield could be. It, it won't be very, as good as a key could be. How about that? Imagine if you had the key to the door and you're supposed to get into it. It will never be as good at these things, but these things also could not do what the credit card can do or the debit card. A knife is not very good at accessing your money, Man, there's all sorts of jokes that come to me. I'm sorry. I just, it could help you with other people's money. You get the idea. Okay. Um, but a debit card has a purpose. So one of the first places we have to start with the Scriptures is we have to ask ourselves, what is the purpose of this book? What is this? Now, here's the first thing that's going to help you today. When you think about this book, no longer should you think about this book as a book. You hear me? This is not a book. Okay? It's a compilation. Compilation. It's compiling things, right? Um, who's your favorite artist? Anybody? Eagles, Beatles, all the olds, you got it? Okay. Whoever your favorite artist is, they, they have different albums, correct? And then you have like the greatest hits. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm going to put them all in one place. It's a good idea in theory, right? You get the idea. This is that. It's not one album, it's not one book, it is many. That's very important for you to understand. Very important. Because each book is very different than the other. If you tried to read this book as if it's one similar type of story, you will be very confused. When you go from Genesis to Numbers, you'll go, what is happening? Why are we changing this? When you go from 1 John to Revelation, you'll say, this is weird. I don't know like, why we're talking about dragons and about women, you know, who are being chased by dragons and what is happening with the lampstands. You guys have never read Revelation. Okay, okay. You get the idea. You should be confused. If you're not, that's not a good sign. Okay? It means you're not reading, right? If you're reading these things, you should say to yourself, this is different. This thing is not like the other. So the first thing that I want to help you with today with this book, this is a compilation of books. And each one is different from the next. This is crucial. This is a very big deal, right? If I told you, if I gave you some books, I said, okay, this is a cookbook. I want you to read it as if it is a map. Go. You'd be a little confused. If I gave you a map, I said, I want you to read this map as if it is poetry. How would that work for you? Do you get what I'm saying? This is simple stuff, but this is life-changing things right here. These very simple tips are going to help you understand this book. Each book has to be read in a very different way because it has a very different purpose. But this whole compilation or library, as we could call it, this thing has one giant unifying purpose. The Bible exists to accomplish this one thing, to answer the why question. The why question. The Bible is concerned with figuring out who God is and what God is like. Now, this is a very big thing for you. Um, I do encourage, if you're someone who does want to grow in the Bible, this would be a great series to take notes on. 
The Bible is concerned with telling you who God is and what God is like. Answering the why question as opposed to the how question are two very different things. Now, a how question is a modern question. For example, if I tell you that Jesus had his body laying here dead and then the next moment that body was gone, the modern mind, the Western mind would say, how? Correct? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, let's nod. We're alive today. Amen. We're alive. We have been resurrected. Okay. How did that happen? That's a modern question. The question the Bible is after is not the how, it's after the why question. In Genesis, it tells us that the world was created, and the modern mind says what? Come on. How? That's not the question the Bible is trying to answer. The Bible is trying to answer the question of why. You say, oh, no, but it tells us how, Pastor Devin. Well, I encourage you to read both accounts. Read Genesis 1 and then Genesis 2 and make an order of how things are created. You will notice that the order is off. In the one order, the world is made first. In the other order, all of a sudden, man comes before the trees are built. That's weird. In the other account, it went the other way. It's not interested in answering the questions that we might want it to answer. It's interested in answering the questions that we need it to answer. See, a human being does not need to understand how everything works to go through life. How things happen are not so crucial to telling me who God is as much as why things happen. Here's an example. Here's a how thing, okay? If I told you a story, okay, a rumor, how about that? It's a rumor story. We heard that Pastor Devin pushed his middle son Liam down in the parking lot. And it was a story began to go. Okay, so the how, well, how did that happen, right? Which is how, like, most of you would would ask, right? Well, I saw through the window that Liam was was talking back and that Pastor Devin just goes, boom, to the ground, just like that. And then somebody goes, awful, and somebody goes, that's the way you parent, right? Get the idea, right? Now, the how does not tell you much about who I am or who Liam is or what's really going on. Now, if you ask the correct question, why did he push him down? Oh, well, there was a car coming, and Liam was in the way, and Devin didn't have time, and what he did was he pushed his son down out of the way so he did not get hit by a car. Now, does that create a very different picture of me than the other picture, right? If you're only concerned with the how, you go, who cares about that? I just want to know how it happened. Did he push him in the head? (laughs) <laughs> Did he jab him in the eye first? Did he trip him and push him? You know what I'm talking about? The combo? Did he get a running start? <laughs> the why is what tells you what I'm like. That makes sense to you. It gives you a better idea to connect to me. The how allows you to connect to what is happening, the mechanics of the story. But the why allows you to connect to the person of the story. You will get very frustrated with the Bible if you go through it from cover to cover asking how questions. You'll come back saying, this book is frustrating. Most people who get in arguments with me about the Scriptures, they say, Devin, I love the church, whatever, but I I need you to answer this in the passage. Tell me how this means this. And often what they're asking me again is a how question. What happens here is that often we get very frustrated with things because we haven't allowed ourselves to take the time to take it seriously. Here's the next little tidbit note for you with the Bible. How about this? If you are going to be someone who grows in your understanding of God through the Bible, here's the first key that you're going to have to have. Humility. 
I mean this. Humility. You have to understand that you might not understand. Has that set in yet? For you to learn anything about anything, you will have to understand that you might not understand. Last year, Rachel's age, my youngest daughter, was at a point where this was a great toy for her. She would use it for all different things. It was a, it was a plate with her dolls, right? It was a great thing to throw at her brothers, right? I, she wasn't in a place where I could teach her what it really does yet. And she was convinced she knew what it did. It, it, if you throw it just right, it soars and spins and hits them right in the neck. It's awesome, right? She was convinced she knew exactly what this car did. Now, here's the truth. If I'm lucky enough, she won't understand what this car does for a long time. You understand? But when she learns what this car does, she will want to use it for what it's for. But to get there, she's going to have to have humility. She will have to allow someone to begin the process of learning what she might not know about it. This book is that type of thing. Everyone who I've ever met in my life who has, who has devoted years of serious study to this book has walked away realizing that they didn't know anything compared to what they thought they knew. It will humble you, and it should. You should come to this book saying, I don't know everything, and I need to learn something about this book. Now, here is the next kind of big point that I want to talk about with this. The Scriptures, this book's job, right, this compilation of books, the primary purpose of this thing is to lead us somewhere. It's trying to point us to something. If you guys have your Bibles, let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 1. We won't be able to unlock everything in this passage, but uh, it's the primary passage for us this morning. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, staining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Now, there's a lot in there we can't unlock this morning, but I want to show you some highlights. Here's the first highlight. This past, this this book of Hebrews is primarily concerned with trying to make sense of Jesus to people who have understood God a certain way. Their entire life, the Hebrews that understand God through this part of the Bible, okay? the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. And the first thing that this author is trying to communicate to them was, yes, you're right, God did speak to us through prophets. There was a time when they came when they spoke things and we wrote them down, and that's how God spoke to us. But I want you to understand something. But right now, in these days, God is doing something new. Instead of speaking through prophets, he's now speaking through this person. And this person happens to be interesting. This person is the Son of God. Now, why is Son important? Okay, The idea is this. Who would know me better? A stranger who has kind of met me in passing or my son? Family, right, should know me better, correct? Here's the first point they're making. Who is going to be more right about God than someone who is the very Son of God? And then he goes on, someone who himself is God. 
Now, we don't have time to tell you how much of a dramatic statement this is, but this did not make people happy when it was said, okay? This is the person we have to listen to, and already there is a comparison between the pages in the Old Testament and Jesus. They're saying, you're right, God did speak there, but what God is doing here is superior. There's a comparison. And then he goes on, he says, oh yeah, and by the way, here's why we trust Jesus to reveal who God is even more than the prophets. Because through Jesus, all of the cosmos were created. The Greek word uh, there for universe is cosmos. It's, it, it just sounds so much more fun than universe. Agreed? Or world. That's a boring word, right? You think about the earth. The Greek word there is through this person who's going to tell us who God is, all of the cosmos were created. Do you think that that person knows more about God than whoever the prophets were? There's a comparison. And then he even ends by comparing Jesus to angels. Because in the Old Testament, in the Old Scriptures, there were moments when angels came to bring messages. There are actually some other uh, religions that are based on messages from angels. And he says, and by the way, this Jesus is superior so much to angels. And so even the things in the Old Testament that that we were told angels showed up on the scene, this is even superior to that. Okay? If you're taking notes, here's something um, I want you to write down. While the entire Bible reveals parts of who God is, their primary purpose is to reveal Jesus. The entirety of these Scriptures, especially the Old Testament primarily, their primary purpose, the number one purpose that these Scriptures have is to lead us to Jesus. Now, if you are a Hebrew, if you still follow uh, the Old Testament Scriptures, you will not agree with me, and that is okay. Okay? Uh, To this day, the Jews do not understand this the same way that we do. They do not receive Jesus the way that we do. You are called a Christian, right? You're called a Christian, okay? You're not called a Bible person. Does that make sense? You're not called a Scripturist. You're not called a uh, New Testamentist. Okay? You're not even called a Jew. Your name is what? Come on, Christian. Why? Because our faith is built on a person. This is huge. Huge. Okay? Most churches this morning are doing a good job at the things that they're called to do. But here's one thing I'm called to do I'm called to tell you that our faith is not built on a book. This is a hard one, I understand. Understand that this book leads us to the revelation of God in Jesus, a person. And that everything from the revelation of Jesus forward is meant to clarify what the Scriptures say. So, the Old Testament, the Bible, has value to show us who God is. It does an amazing job at that. But it's like this. Um, imagine going to uh, in, your, in your kitchen watching dishes. Oh, how about this? Uh, who's seen... The movie, um, My Cousin Vinny. Anybody? My Cousin Vinny? Okay. We're aging ourselves, I can tell. Okay. But I love that movie, all right? And so like, there's a scene there, right, where like, you know, they're trying to unprove these witnesses. And there's this one witness who says that they saw through their kitchen window this person kill that person, right? And what they ended up doing was they brought pictures back of the kitchen window. The kitchen window had all these nasty smudges all over it. Can you picture it? Yes, they saw a person, and they saw a person shoot another person, but did they get a clear enough image of exactly what was going on? No. The Old Testament gives you a picture of what's going on, 
but you're missing something. It's a blurry view. And you say, I don't know about that, Pastor Devin. Uh, That's not what I've been taught. You're right. You're right. And here in Hebrews, here's what it says in verse 3. The sun is the radiance, meaning the light. Now, uh, what's important about light? It helps you do what? See things. The radiance of God's glory, meaning it allows us to see the things that make God different from man. And here's the huge part here. The exact representation of his being. Let me put that in some different words. Jesus is the clearest picture of what God is like. Period. Now, it's not telling us to throw the Scripture out. No, we don't take the Bible and throw it out. We got Jesus, now we're good. That's not the way this works, right? So, the Scriptures point and they lead us to land on Jesus. And now, if the Scriptures are trying to reveal Jesus, here's what Jesus does. Jesus reveals who God is. Jesus is the one who reveals who God is. You say, I, still, I just don't like this idea. Well, a big reason that Jesus had enemies and had problems and a big reason he was killed was because Jesus had this, this habit of reinterpreting Scripture. Every time that he would open his mouth, he would take Scripture from the Old Testament and say, you heard it was said this way. You were told eye for an eye. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and it even goes foot for a foot. How cool is that? That's a cool saying, foot for a foot. That sounds way better than eye for an eye. Do it, do it, foot for a foot. Come on, that's cool. And he says, no, I tell you, even if you hate your brother, you've already committed murder. He says, no, 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 I tell you this, love your enemies. You've been told they hurt you, hurt them back. I'm telling you right now, you got it wrong. If they hurt you, love them. Turn the other cheek. Jesus is constantly going and saying, no, 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 no. Trust me, the Scriptures are crucial. The Scriptures teach you who God is, but I'm the one who's going to teach you how to rightly interpret the Scriptures, how to rightly understand the Scriptures. And so the Bible reveals Jesus, and Jesus reveals God. Where we get our most unhealthy, ugly, horrific, harmful pictures of God is when people try to take the Scriptures and trump Jesus. In my last six years of preaching, the most controversial sermons I've ever given are the ones about the Gospels, specifically the parables. And people will always come back at me with Old Testament verses, or even the Apostle Paul. Oh, well, I know Jesus said that, but Paul said this. Bam! I win. Of course, I come back at him with some more stuff. John, 1 John, verse 14. And the Word became flesh. And it lived among us. And we have seen his glory, meaning that God that we've been searching for through these scriptures forever now has a body and we can talk to them, touch him, ask him questions. The glory as the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He comes after me, ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Pay attention to this part for taking notes. Verse 17. The law indeed was given through Moses. I will interpret this for you. You're right. The Bible came from the apostles. That's huge for us, right? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Meaning, you can only understand the truth 
of everything in those Scriptures that came from Moses through Jesus. Without Jesus, you have no truth. Are you getting this? If truth only comes from Jesus, then what happens if you go through the Scriptures without Jesus? You have what? No truth. You definitely have no grace. Here at Grace Church on Sunday morning. Here's verse 18. No one has ever seen God. I love this. He's not talking about you. He's attacking the people who wrote the Scriptures. He's saying, hey, I know that you think the prophets are great, and then the authors who wrote the Scriptures are great. I know you think the Apostle Paul is great. I know that you think Moses is great. Here's the thing, though. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart. Meaning, everyone who wrote anything in this book except for Jesus has never fully seen God. So whose who's report of what God looks like, of how God acts, of what God's heart is like, whose report takes the first step? Who's, whose report gets priority? The only person who's ever seen God. Jesus. He says, which by the way is the Son of God, and then of course he puts in the trump card, by the way, Jesus is God. Who gets to tell you what God is like more than God himself? You say, Devin, I don't agree with that. Well, I'm sorry. If you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus is God. There's nothing in the entire Bible that calls the Bible God. How cool is that? The Bible only calls this one person God. It doesn't call Paul God. It doesn't call Moses God. It doesn't call anyone God except for Jesus. Jesus is God. So who gets the final word to tell us who God is if not God himself? And then, I just want to do this. Since there's a verse that we've all heard before, I'll say this one. John 14, verse 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the what? The way, truth, and the what? Mm. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love this. And so, this morning, I'm trying to encourage you to say this. The Bible is vast and complicated and and truthfully, without guides and without help and without resources and serious study and hard questions, we are, are going to have trouble understanding it. But here is the place that we start. Start by getting the big picture stuff. The Bible's out to answer the question of why, meaning the questions that tell us who God is, what God is like. As much as I want to know how the universe was created, what I need to know to get through tomorrow is, is the one who created it, does this God care about me? Is there a plan for me? Can I trust this God? Does my life have purpose and meaning at all? These are the things a human being must have. Understanding how it was made are things that we want to have. Scriptures are out to tell you why, to tell you who God is and what he's like. The Bible has one primary purpose. There are multiple things it does. It's good at lots of things. Its primary thing that it does is it points us to Jesus. And then it's Jesus' role. Picture a relay race, right? With the baton, the role of the Scriptures is to get us to Jesus. The role of Jesus is to get us to God. The only way to the Father is what? That verse that we all heard in church a million times, John 14, 6. The way, the truth, and the life. This is how it works. So here are some, some really kind of helpful tips um, I'm going to leave you with. If you're wanting to start uh, your journey with the Scriptures, here's the first thing I encourage you to do. As awesome as it is to say that you read the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, as cool as that might be, I encourage you not to start in Genesis. 
Those are some messed up, beautiful, powerful, life-changing stories. But if you jump into it right now, you might be a little like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. It's a lot of bloodshed. There's a lot of people dying. There's a lot of people, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what this is telling me about God, right? Two, uh, oh, sorry, start in the Gospels. I would encourage you to start specifically in Luke. Here's why. Luke has a very intensive focus on how God treats other human beings. That's what, that's what the primary focus of Luke is. He wants you to see what God is like by the way that Jesus interacts with people. Second tip. When faced with difficult passages, when you come to those passages and you go, I don't know. So in Exodus, by the way, uh, in the passage there, I think it's chapter 21, where it tells us eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. What it says three verses before that, it says, anyone who curses their father or mother must be what? Murdered. It says anyone who places their hand on their father or mother must be what? Murdered. Have you read those verses before? Yes. Everyone's going, I don't want to talk about that one. When you face these things, okay, it's important for you to ask this question, okay, when you come to these, to these passages that are difficult, return to Jesus' example. Okay, this Old Testament verse or this thing that Paul's talking about is really confusing. I don't know what this means. Okay, let's go and reset. Okay, how does Jesus approach this thing? How does Jesus approach this? What does Jesus say to do with our children when these things happen? Is there any mention of Jesus telling us to stone these children to death when they say something bad to me? <laughs> Okay, good. I'm still being a good parent. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Here's a third tip for you when reading. When reading the Old Testament, remember, they were learning who God is just like we are now. Now, this is a, a loaded statement. I understand that. I'm, uh, I, I want you to send us questions so I can talk about it in length. Just to explain this little tidbit, it will take me hours. And so I, I might do a podcast for six hours and like, you'll never listen to it, but I'll feel better. I put the answer out there, right? So if you have questions about this, please um, send those texts. But this is something that's crucial for you. When you're going through the Old Testament going, okay, so like they just told us here with King David that the actual thing to do in Psalms was that we're supposed to go grab these women who are, you know, the enemy tribes, supposed to rip the babies out of their bellies, and you get the idea. When you face that, you go, I don't know what this means. They didn't either. They were figuring out who God was. And if you don't get me, read the actual stories. The entire Old Testament is about a people who couldn't figure out this God because he wasn't like the other gods. And they kept getting it wrong. And they kept getting frustrated. And that is the biggest takeaway from the Scriptures. All right, would you guys stay with me this morning? We got two more weeks on this topic. Um, Pastor Zach's going to Take this one next week. If you haven't heard Pastor Zach preach, you need to. Uh, there's not many people I enjoy listening to preach. It's not like I'm stuck up or anything. I just heard a lot of sermons, you know, my own, way too many. And, but Pastor Zach's really good. He has, he has a very different take. Of, and, and on this topic, he's going to have some really powerful things for you guys. So I encourage you to be here next Sunday. This morning is uh, Corporate Communion Sunday. Now, I do want to just kind of honor our time. We've got a few minutes over. So what we're going to do is this. I'm going to pray over us, and then uh, we're going to make the table available. If you would like to stay afterwards with your family and uh, take communion, we're going to make it available to you. The worship team is going to stay up here. Um, 
But I, I just want to respect your time, and especially the workers back there who put in so much energy to take care of our kids. Amen? The Bible should be a little bit intimidating to us. It should be a little bit humbling to us. And in the moments when it isn't is when we tend to make the biggest mistakes with it. But the Bible is one of our most powerful tools to allow us to connect to this God who we don't know very well. So instead of getting overwhelmed with this book, which is what most of us do, we just don't know where to start, we don't know what to do with this thing, what I encourage you to do is to start. Right? We have a lot of great leaders here who can help you along the way. We don't believe we have all the answers. We will send you to, to great resources. We'll have classes about this. We're going to continue preaching about this. We've got all sorts of series about it. But I encourage you to start somewhere. The Gospel of Luke, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find a God who looks like Jesus, who shows extra care and attention to anyone and everyone who is hurting, to people who are suffering, to people who are ignored, people who are not accepted. You're going to find a God who is very relational, who sets a time, extra time, who makes space to sit with people, to listen to them, to get to know them spend time with them. And you're going to get to know a God who can be trusted, which I think is the biggest takeaway. You're going to get to know a God who is loving and gentle, but strong. And hopefully what you'll find in the Gospel of Luke is a God who promises us safety, protection. Even if this world is dangerous and unsafe, that there is a promise in this God that there is a life after this life. And no matter what happens, this God will always be with us. He will always understand and be present with us, even in our worst moments. And that if we would trust Him, there is safety to be found. Father, we just come to you this morning, and you are a safe place for all of our questions, all of our struggles, all of our our faults and frustrations. Ask, the, ask that you would allow us to have a fresh start with the Scriptures, that we would come excited and eager even to, to know a God that can be trusted, to know a God who is loving and kind, strong and mighty, but willing to spend time with us, to, to get to know us, to listen, to understand us. Father, we thank you for the gift of the Scriptures, and we ask that we would be able to uh, just to, to value them the way that, that we should. Father, I just pray over this, this, this time right here, Father, as we go into communion. Lord, we just thank you for the gift of your Son. Scripture's an amazing gift, but nothing shows us who you're like or what you're like the way that your Son did. We thank you for a God who loves us so much that, that God would come close to us, that, that God would allow us to get to know Him, and that God would allow us to come so close that we could touch and see and talk to and, and hear from. And so as we come to the table to communion, we ask that we would be ready to connect to you. We would bring uh, our honesty, we bring our hurts, and we would come away knowing the God who loves us so deeply. In Jesus' name.